Welcome to the New Freedom Church Podcast. This podcast will help you grow deeper in your faith through weekly 30-minute talks. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get each new episode as it's released. Now sit back and relax as God speaks to you through this message. Well, how many are glad today that you can say with a joyful heart that your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness? That last song, wow, my hope is built on Jesus. You know, there is nothing else. There is no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. And at the name of Jesus, here's our promise. One day, maybe not in our lifetime, maybe not for us to see with all the political change and all the things that seem to be going awry in our world, but one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Somebody say amen, that's good news. Hey, we have been in a series on the Holy Spirit over the last uh, several weeks, and I shared with you early on that there are are three kind of concentric circles that overlap when we talk about the spiritual moving in our own lives, and that is that there are spiritual disciplines, and we looked at some of the disciplines that that we go through, the the routine things that, that we walk through as disciplines of the Lord, and then there are gifts of the Spirit. If you missed any of those, then you can go back and, and replay those. They're all on our website as we looked at uh, spiritual giftings, especially the nine spiritual gifts according to uh, Corinthians. And then there is the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say, fruit of the Spirit. And today I want us to dive into Uh, looking at what is the fruit of the Spirit, how does it operate in our lives, what kind of impact and influence does it have in and through us. And so uh, what we're going to see is that the fruit of the Spirit is woven all throughout the lives and the testimonies of people in Scripture. And also, if you look around your own world today, you look around uh, people that you might admire, those that you may look up to in the Christian faith, that there are spiritual fruit that is attractive. There's something about their walk, about their life that has drawn you to take attention. Uh, And so there are many places that we can find in Scripture a a fruit here or or maybe a display of God's Spirit coming through there. But there is one specific place where the entire list is given to us all in one place. The Apostle Paul writing to the Galatian church says this in Galatians 5, verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit. Everybody say that, walk in the spirit. He would not have given us this I say and then told us this if we could not do it. We are able to walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, Paul, well, that's great advice. But why don't you tell us some more? And to that, the apostle says, okay, I will. So Paul the apostle wrote Galatians first. This was likely the first letter that he wrote, the earliest writings that we know recorded of the apostle Paul. He is also the same author that when we get to 1 Corinthians tells us, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of spiritual gifts. And so the same one who knows all of the outlay of the spiritual gifts and operation both in the local church and in our lives, and as I said it before, uh, the spiritual gifts that you find in the scriptures, if you find them there, then they are not only possible, they are probable to take place in our local assembly, in our Bible studies, in our own personal lives. And you don't know, maybe the gift, a gift of the spirit will come out of you when you're in the line at Kroger. I certainly know that you will be tested with the fruit of the Spirit when you were in line at Kroger. Anybody bear witness to what I'm saying? How many of you are bad line pickers? I, I think that I am probably the worst line picker. 
You know, I will, I will kind of translate between one line to another. I'll kind, of, I'll kind of wade this thing until I see which one's going faster. I'll get in that line and then I will have a true test of spiritual fruit because my love will be tested. My patience will be tested. I'm a bad line picker. But the fruit of the Spirit shows up in our lives when we least expect it, like many times the gifts of the Spirit. And so when Paul the Apostle told us, I don't want you to be ignorant of something, he said, I want you to be educated and know how that God's Spirit moves in giftings in your life. And he first began to explain the struggle between the fleshly and the godly desires. So let's read on Galatians 5.18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, what they're talking about here is the uh, Mosaic law. This is the, the law that was governing the Old Testament type of ceremonies and types of rituals and type of um, uh, strategies of, of worship, but also of, of uh, the, the types of things that they would do when they come together and the law of God in our lives. He says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not up underneath this heavy load of being a law keeper. Actually, what happens is when you walk in the spirit, you embrace gladly the law of God, not as some grievous or heavy thing, but as a delight and a joy. It says this in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, you won't hear this list preached much, but it's Bible. Somebody say, it's Bible. So here, here's this laundry list that Paul says is the work of the flesh. We haven't even got to the fruit of the spirit yet, have we? But he prefaces his teaching on the fruit of the spirit with this, but he doesn't stop there. He said, this whole list and the like. So this is not an exhaustive list of sins of the flesh. You can never find an exhaustive list because there are always new things that someone is coming up with to test the boundary, to wade into waters. We think it's new, but really Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. What has been will be again. And so there are evil inventions in the human heart. There are evil devisings and plans and schemes and strategies. And so Paul just simply lists some things that were, he calls them evident, they're clear to be seen all around. These are evident things. And then he tacks on this, but this isn't exhaustive and the like. So use your imagination. Any other things that you see that are of the flesh, that's what he's talking about. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past. So apparently there was already some kind of admonition about these things. Paul said, I've told you this before. I'm, I'm just repeating myself. That those who practice such things, read it with me, will not inherit the kingdom of God. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. I know it's not popular, but it's Bible. Now, the word flesh here in the Greek is sarx. So this is not your body. This is not your flesh. We, we think of our, our flesh as our body. This is not your body. The word flesh in the context used here, and this is important for our study of the fruit of the spirit, is actually evil desire. When Paul talks about flesh, he's not talking about your flesh and blood. He's talking about the sinful desires that come from within. Jesus said it like this, on the outside, you Pharisees are like whitewashed tombs. You look really good on the outside. But where do all of these things, these evil desires, these sinful desires come from? They come from the heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, 
does the mouth speak? For out of the heart are things defiled. It doesn't defile a man what he puts in his mouth. Jesus said, it doesn't matter what you eat. The ceremonial eating laws and dietary restrictions had their place in the Old Testament. But after Peter had that vision from heaven and the sheep came down and unclean animals and God said, don't call unclean what I have called clean. We're free to eat whatever we want to eat. Now there's some things we shouldn't eat just because they're not good for us. And we will desire them more and more the more we have them. But Jesus said, it's not what you eat that goes into your stomach that is defiling a person. It is what comes out of the heart. And so when we talk about flesh, we're talking about those sinful desires, those imaginations, those strongholds, those things that are on the inside. So where then is the fruit? Before even discussing the fruit of the spirit, he lists in detail these things that are evident. These were plain to see. Apparently they were awash in their day with all of these things. Just like we look at our day and we think, oh my goodness, look how evil it is. Things have never been this bad. Have you ever checked out first century Rome? I mean, do a little history study. There were some really wicked inventions and evil things happening in the times that Paul was writing this. He just listed some of them and said, there's even more than that. I couldn't even get exhaustive in it. But now we have the list that we've all been waiting for. We wanna shun that first list. We don't want that first list. We want to embrace this next one. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. But the fruit of the spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What what are you talking about here, Paul? I like the part about love and joy and peace and patience, but what are you talking about that those who are Christ, those who belong, see Christ is, there's an apostrophe S there, it means there is a, a belonging, there is possession. Those who belong to Jesus do not do such things because we know that those who practice that first list will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Those who do those, uh, practice those first things will not have a place of life. And he says here that against these things, there is no law. There is no limit to the fruit of the spirit operational in your life. Now, when it comes to spiritual gifts, we are blessed if we get to operate in more than just one of them. I, I told you early in that, that part of our series that every person sitting in this room, every person watching us online has at least one spiritual gift. You don't believe me? Have you said yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior? Your salvation then is a spiritual gift. It's not a natural gift. It is a spiritual gift. Somebody says, yeah, but pastor, I'm not gifted. I can't get on stage. I can't sing. I can't teach a class. I can't lead a group. Well, you have some kind of gifting. There is something that God has woven into your life that you can use for his, his glory. Even if it's just your salvation, you have a testimony. You can tell someone what God has done for you. Amen. So if we can operate in more than one spiritual gift, we are blessed. Now, now there are some uh, spiritual gifts that actually have a limit on them, like speaking in tongues interpretation in tongues in a, a, a public setting, like we just witnessed here a couple weeks ago. There is a limit on that, according to Paul, that it should be done two or three times, no more than that in a service, and that the rest of the prophets should sit back and to judge and to kind of see and, and weigh and balance that. And so we know that there are some limits to certain giftings. Not everybody has every spiritual gift. You may operate in a spiritual gift only one time in your entire life. 
You're, a gift is something given, you don't own it. God gives it to you. But when it comes to fruit, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, we have the access to express all the fruit of the Spirit in our lives at any time. There is no law. There is no limit. There's no cutoff or limitation to the fruit of the Spirit. And he goes into verse 24 and says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When you crucify something, that means you put it to death. Now, again, when we think of flesh, we think of our bodies. We think of this flesh suit that we are in. You see, the real you, the spirit soul you, is going to live somewhere forever, in eternity. And so we think of flesh as this body. But when Paul is saying those who belong to Jesus have, and, and actually there is a, a article here that is a, a constant or a continual, are crucifying the flesh. He's not talking about your body going to a cross like Jesus did. We want to compare, well, Jesus, he, his flesh was crucified. Well, Jesus' flesh was the only one that needed to be crucified. He was the perfect sacrifice, God and man, and he satisfied once and for all the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Never do any of us have to ever go that route again. No one has to go to a cross. Can someone say amen? amen. That's good news. So what Paul is saying here is not about our bodies being buffeted, not about us trying harder, not about us smacking our hands and waiting for someone to see that we've done something wrong. He's talking about putting to death these sinful desires. He calls them desires and passions, things that we are drawn to, things that we are enticed to partake in. He's saying that if you belong to Jesus, there is this actual and progressive putting to death the evil desires that are in your own human heart, in your life, in your mind, these inventions that come up. And it's not about your body. And Paul gives us an indication of what one looks like who belongs to Jesus. And they look like someone who is fruitful. But before you get self-condemned, <laughs> Before you size up your own past seven or eight days and you think, well, I've already fallen short, I've blown it, God can't use me, uh, that, that's not me, the pastor's not talking about me, this isn't, you know, I've had bad thoughts, I've had bad actions. Before you get self-condemned, what you need to understand is that there is an ongoing life in Christ. Just simply saying yes to Jesus doesn't end at all. You are still walking around and you are subject to the beggarly elements of this world. That means you're going to be tempted, you're going to be tested, and you're going to be tried. Somebody say, hey, that's been me. I've been there. And, and if you have not recently been tempted, tested, or tried, then let me herald, herald to you and hearken this warning that you are about to go into the valley of temptation and testing in your life. It does happen. Peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. That's what this life is about, peaks and valleys. Romans 12 and 1 is a little bit of an exposition on this. Paul the Apostle gives us some further teaching of what this looks like to belong to Jesus. Anybody want to know what it looks like to belong to Jesus? That's why we're gathered today, right? We belong to Jesus. We want to pursue the life of God. We want to pursue the heart of God. Here's what he says. I beseech ye. Or I'm begging you. I am earnestly contending. Please listen. Here's what Paul's saying. I beseech you. I'm earnestly contending. Therefore, brethren. Now, this isn't written to the world. Christians should stop worrying that the world is out there doing all these evil things as though they're offending us. We should worry more about their soul. Sinners sin. That's what they do. 
The world is dirty. They're lost. They're in darkness. They need the light of Christ. So Paul isn't talking to them. He's saying, I'm speaking to the brethren. I'm speaking to those who are already saying yes to Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm beseeching you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Another translation says your spiritual service. I like that better. Presenting your body, presenting your life to God as a spiritual service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Did you know there's three wills of God? Paul says there's a good will of God, perfectly fine just to walk in the good will of God. There's the acceptable will of God, like, okay, if you wanna do that, do it your way. I'm still gonna love you. I'm still gonna provide sunshine and rain, but there is also a perfect will of God. There's a good, there's an acceptable, but I want to always be endeavoring to walk in that perfect will of God. And I fall short and I don't always walk in that perfect will of God. And I have to go on a course correction and thank God for his spirit that is living on the inside that will speak up and say, oh, no, 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 that's wrong. You need to repent. Oh, no, no, you shouldn't say that. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, mouth, what you say, for the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful. See, it's more than just a nursery rhyme or a, a little verse we sing to kids in kids' church. This is something for our hearts that there is a perfect will of God, that there is something that, that I can walk in and it's just kind of good, it's just kind of acceptable, but I can walk in this kind of way. But I do so by presenting my body as a living sacrifice. So there's no way that he was talking about crucifying our flesh so that our bodies die. He's talking about crucifying our sinful desires because our bodies are still this living sacrifice unto God. And how do we do this? We do it by being transformed and by renewing our mind. How do we renew our mind, saints? By the washing of the water of the word, by continuing to hear what thus saith the word of God, what God is speaking to us, by knowing and hiding his word in our heart that we may not sin against him. It's maybe not a bit as big of a, a debate today as it used to be in, in years past, but you know, there's, there's been this raging debate about evolution. And people wanna say, well, the science has evolution. And, you know, uh, pastor, do you believe the science? Well, I, I believe that science is, is God's uh, word speaking after, is, is, is scientists, or science is God's thoughts thinking after him. So, so do I believe in evolution? Well, I don't believe that monkeys become men, but do I believe in, in transformation, that things evolve in our experience with God? Yeah, I believe in that kind of evolution. I have evolved into the person I am. I am always evolving. I am presenting my life as a, a living sacrifice. And so I'm tr being transformed. If transformation is evolution, then yeah, I believe that kind of evolution. I believe in God's kind of transformation, renewing my mind evolving into a person that God is making me to be, not who I used to be. But there's a reason that there's a missing link in the theory of evolution according to Darwin. You know why? Because it's missing. There will never be found a, a link. Monkeys don't become men. God created this, he is the creator God. And if he created, then he can also breathe new life and speak into us this kind of sacrifice. Jesus said it best. When we talk about fruit, we talk about being a fruitful person. Jesus said it best in John 15 and four. 
Abide in me and I in you. Abide. I mean, it's, it's a concept of staying in. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus made it very simple. Disconnected from the vine, from the source of life, you cannot be fruitful. And now we find out who is the vine. Jesus says in verse five, I am the vine. You are the branches. Watch, the, watch this. Jesus is the vine. He is the root. He is the source. The life is coming through him. You are the branches. So what are we, church? We are branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. To the extent that we remain connected to Jesus, then we are able to bear fruit. Notice that you and I do not produce fruit. We bear fruit. We cannot produce spiritual fruit. We can only display or show forth or hold or carry spiritual fruit. And we fall into bad thinking and bad teaching when we try in ourselves to be loving. When we try in ourselves to be patient, well, I'm just going to be more patient today. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You cannot produce spiritual fruit. It's not possible. Jesus said it. The branches don't produce the fruit. They bear the fruit. They hold the fruit. The vine produces the fruit. So what are we? We're branches. We just display spiritual fruit. This is why that a person who is walking with Jesus, a person who belongs to Christ will have the testimony that others will come to them, even in their darkest moment, even when you need encouragement yourself, someone will come and say, you've really been an encouragement to me. Well, how have I been an encouragement to you? I'm down, I'm sullen, I'm broken. I'm in a, a dark place right now. You've been such an, your, your life has been such a, a witness to me. How? Because the fruit is being bared because you're connected to the vine. When you're connected to Jesus, when you belong to Jesus, then fruit just populates. It just shows, it's good. I confess to you. You forgive me? God already forgave me, so you need to. But we can get irritated. We can get irritable. The agape kind of love is the kind of love that means serving a person for their good and their intrinsic value, not what they bring to you. This is the kind of love that God wants us to have on display not just for our flesh and blood, but for the family of God, doing good to the household of faith, especially to the household of faith. But when you start responding with this kind of love to the world, it's confusing. They don't even understand it. It's mind boggling. They're waiting for the other shoe to drop because nobody ever treats them with this kind of love, agape. How about joy? The Greek word is chera. It is delight in God for the sheer beauty and worth of who God is. What if we would come into a place of worship and we would not have first and present on our mind with our to-do list. We would not have first on our mind uh, all the things that are on our wish list that we put before God. Now there are prayers of petition, that's fine. You can pray prayers of petition, they're in the Bible. There's precatory prayers where you're heartbroken, you need to pour it out before God. But what if we would come before God in worship 
not worrying about whether the singers are perfectly tuned or everything is just exactly right in the lighting. And I appreciate all the technology, all of this stuff is great, but listen, you can worship God alone in a dark room. You don't need all of this stuff. You can get one or two together because where two or more are gathered in his name, he is right there in the midst of you. And you were just with a joyful heart are pouring it out to God because of his exceeding great love for us. This is joy. This is Kara. This is the kind of love and joy that Paul is talking about. The third one is peace. And this word in the Greek is Irene. Peace, Irene, meaning a confidence and rest and the wisdom and control of God rather than my own plan. Now we will say things like, well, God's in control. But when things happen outside of our arranged idea of the way they should happen, we really start to question, don't we? We really start to doubt. Now, if you're a person that cannot be with other people who question and doubt, you're probably in the wrong place because this is a a free space, an open space, a, a safe sanctuary for people who have questions and doubts and struggles and wrestlings. We are real people experiencing real freedom. You cannot experience real freedom until you can be transparent and real with yourself to say, pastor, there's times I have had questions and doubts. The pastor has questions and doubts. And when I do, I go to the word of God. I ground myself on the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. I bring my honest fears and my doubts and my questions and I lay them down before God. And I don't always get the answer today. Jeremiah the prophet prophesied and preached to a wayward people for 40 years. And the Bible tells us that he did this as the weeping prophet, likely never had one convert in 40 years. Now, most of us would not follow Jeremiah. Why? Because he's not successful. He's not chalking up numbers. He's not able to to show the great track record of all the ministry success. But he's got an entire book named after him in the Bible. He's one of the greatest prophets quoted by Paul and Jesus. And when we have the love and the joy of fruit bearing in our lives, and we walk into this Irene, this peace, that we settle things that God is truly in charge. And whether things turn out according to my plan is really insignificant. What are my plans? The Bible tells us many are the inventions and the plans of a heart, but the Lord is the one that makes the path straight. So this is the kind of fruit that God desires is that we would put our plans secondary to his plan. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells of this parable and you've, you've probably heard this before, but I wanna read it to you because I see love, joy, and peace all throughout this parable. It says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one until which is lost, he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, see the joy? When he has come home, he calls all of his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Jesus gives us this this parable, this picture of the joy 
for rediscovering something that was lost, for finding that which was lost. The joy of going out, even leaving the ones who were not sick. Jesus said, I didn't come to be a physician to those who are well, I came for the sick. How many are glad that Jesus came for the sick and the broken and the disgusted and the busted? He came for me, he came for you. And this is the great love of God. That if you have never said yes to Jesus, today is your day. For preaching from the stage today is mercy and grace and the love of God that is going out to reach beyond this room into those television screens and going past the needs that are on the peripheral to the real need that is the broken human heart, the human condition of our brokenness because separated from God, we can do nothing. And this is the plan of salvation that Jesus lived 33 and a half years on this earth. He walked a sinless life. He never offended in the ways of God, yet he was crucified. And on that cross, he cried out to his father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was crucified, but on the third day he rose again. And because he lives, you can live too. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. This is between you and God. You need to say yes to Jesus today, this is your day. If things have drifted and you need to update your relationship with God, today is the day, this is the moment, this is the hour, this is the time. You might just simply pray a prayer like this. I want everyone who is bold and willing to do it, to pray it out loud with me. You say, pastor, I've already prayed that before. Well, pray it again. You may just encourage someone next to you to pray it for the very first time. It goes like this, dear God, I come to you today just like I am. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I repent. I turn the other way. I incline my heart to you today. I wanna become a new creation in Christ Jesus. I believe today that I have given my life to God and I'm saved, amen. Now look up here, doesn't that feel good? That feels good. There is a cleansing in our heart and in our soul. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we have a gift that we'd like to give you. We have something out in the information desk in the lobby. If you're watching us online, you can just click on that link and we'll be glad to communicate and send that to you. But we wanna know if you prayed that for the very first time or if you updated things, if you just got your relationship update with God today, we wanna know. We wanna give you some resources. We wanna connect you to a spiritual family that will love you and care for you and walk with you through those good times and through the bad. We wanna connect with you. There's something so vital about being connected to the family of God, being in the midst of other believers and people who can encourage you along in your faith. And when we slip and when we fall, they're there to help us to say, you know what? You're in the flesh, you're not in Jesus. You need to get back in Jesus. That's good, that's good for the soul. Let's all stand together as we worship with the, the team as they close this. Let's have our hope in God today. I'll be right back.